Welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont from DuPont Wealth Solutions. As a practicing advisor and attorney, Greg teaches pre-retirees how to reduce debt and taxes and save with less risk so they have more spendable income and plan their way to a better life. Join us for this journey where Greg draws on years of experience and guest experts to help listeners achieve more spendable income for retirement. Hello and welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont of DuPont Wealth Solutions. Greg, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Eric. I am great today. I am just so excited about our conversation we're about to have today that I just can't wait to get started. Yeah, I'm really excited to learn from the two of you. And I say the two of you because Greg has a guest on the show, and that is Mary Rockenstein, which is the best name ever. I'll just be honest. (laughs) That's just starting this podcast off great. Greg, why did you bring Mary on the show? So Mary's a friend of mine that I've grown to know a little bit. When we were chatting the other day, I thought, well, this would be a great conversation for us to take live for my clients and our friends and listeners. Mary is a leadership coach. We all have areas of our lives where we serve as leaders and areas where we serve as followers. Mm-hmm. And Mary's insight into some of the art of leadership, I think, is going to be really helpful for people that listen to this program. Absolutely. You know, yeah, I'm you know, excited Mary, to learn. Yeah, you know, Mary's got a wealth of experience, more than 30 years in leadership positions. She's written a book and has got another one on the way here. And she also has a, a, a online class that she may want to talk a little bit about here today. But for the most part, we're going to just kind of chat about how we are leaders in our lives and how we can improve ourselves that way. Good morning, Mary. Hey, good morning. How are you? I am doing wonderful. Thank you for joining us this morning and bringing the energy you're going to bring to our presentation here today and um, welcome you. And I'm just going to throw out a kind of a softball for you. Mary, why do you do what you do? Ah, (laughs) there's a question. Well, first of all, thank you for the invitation. It is really a pleasure to be here. It's a short story, if I may, why I do what I do. Back in 2009, was diagnosed with melanoma which caused me to write a bucket list. And thankfully, other than the divot, huge divot that I have in my back, which I embrace every day, <laughs> it, it went everything went well. But it caused me to really reflect on what I was doing and where I was in my life. And as a result of putting that bucket list together, I made a list of all the leaders that I had reported to at that point in my career. And it was a list of about 80-some 80, 80 people. And then I said, okay, how many of these people would I follow today by choice? Not because I had to, not because I needed a paycheck, but they're great leaders. And this may be rather astounding, but out of 80 some people, I picked five. And Mm. that became, yeah, that kind of became a realization to me that, you know what, we need, as you said in the intro, we need leadership everywhere in our lives. We need it in schools, we need it in churches, we need it in our government, we need it in business, uh, for-profit, not-for-profit, private, public. And so I just thought, you know what, I, I really feel like I'm being called to do this. So I started my company in 2015 and then very quickly became certified with the John Maxwell team as a speaker, trainer, coach. And then it just evolved from there in terms of what I do. But I love just seeing a spark in someone be ignited around leadership and they realize that it's not an age thing it's not a title 
but anybody can lead from where they are in any organization. And even to see people as young as 17 and 18 years old start to embrace being a leader is just, that's why I do what I do. I love it. That's, uh, that's neat. The, you know, I, I've always gravitated toward positions of leadership in my life. And I always was under the impression that there are some natural uh, inclination or talent that way. And it wasn't until a, uh, a few years ago that I started to understand and study just what it is to actually be a leader and how it's more of an art and science than any type of natural way of running your life. When you when you, you talk about having seeing that spark of leadership with people, how do you break through with them that yeah you might have some talent which i'll call charisma there is so much more to it because i imagine of those 80 people that you whittled down to five a good number of them felt that they were good leaders but really weren't how do you kind of work towards that awakening and, and bridging that gap so people can improve those leadership skills yeah, that, that's a great question. I, I think, first of all, I think that as leaders and certainly as leadership coaches, we have to be willing to listen more than we speak. And so we have to meet people where they are and understand where they are. Again, I've met some 17 and 18 year olds who honestly have probably more leadership skill, innate leadership skill than probably people two and three times their age. And you're right about leadership. It is a skill. It's think about playing the piano. Any one of us could sit down and become more proficient or more, more exceptional at playing the piano if indeed we wanted to do that, right? I mean, I can't even knock out heart and soul. I'm just, I'm not a musician <laughs> in that way. But if I wanted to, I know I could do that. Leadership is the same way. I, I have never met that person that's a natural born leader. So I think it's a matter of understanding what encompasses leadership and realizing that it's a skill that we can all work on every day. I, I, there's an important facet of it though. I, I think there are a couple of table stakes when it comes to being a leader. And this is totally my opinion. So I'm sure that there are leadership gurus out there who may disagree with me, but I think the two facets that one, you just, you have to possess if you're gonna be a leader. And one is the ability to connect with people. And the other one is the ability to be trusted. So trust and connection, I think are the table stakes. And if you've got that, you can either develop the rest or you can surround yourself with people that have what you don't have. Yeah, I know that you like to you know, point out that there's a difference between leading and managing. I, and I think what you were just talking about there, managing doesn't necessarily have the connotation of that level of connection where leadership is your, whether it's in your church, your household or your business, you're making those connections. Like in my history, more or less through my own charisma, for lack of a better way of saying it, without being mindful of what I was doing. Then with the manager, that's not really part of the tool set necessarily, that you've got that ability, that empathy, that ability to step into their shoes to, to help them grow and, and to inspire, which is what a leader does, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because I, I say to people, people will often ask me, you know, what's a good client for you or what's a good referral? And I tell them, when you hear someone say, I lead a team of 
five or excuse me, I manage a team of five people or I, I manage the, the accounts payable team or whatever. I cringe when I hear that because there's that old saying that you manage things, you lead people. And typically when we're managing its systems and processes and things that you don't really think about fluctuating that much management is when i say stagnant it's usually stable unless you're going through a merger and acquisition and then all bets are off right everything's up in the air but leadership is really dynamic it's about creating a vision and saying come with me and inspiring and influencing people to come with you so one is stable one is dynamic one is about again working with things one is about influencing people and they're both important they also are very different and there are times when there's a synergy where they're both kind of um, working in tandem, if you will. But just, I think it's important to separate them. And I have to say, Greg, I have to honestly say, I'm going to give people a, a little bit of a pass here. One of the reasons why I think we have, I'm just going to say, a deficit in leadership. I mean, look at government, <laughs> look at any, any aspect of politics at the national level, local level, state level, look at schools, look at businesses. And I think the reason why there's a deficit is, quite frankly, we haven't really been talking about leadership development until maybe the turn of the century. Really around the, the late 1990s and 2000 is when we started saying Ken Blanchard and Tom Peters, hey, you guys are great. Leadership's a little bit different than what you've all been talking about. And, and they got on that wagon too. But that's part of the challenge. It's really only been in the past 20, 25 years that we've even separated leadership from management. That's interesting that you should raise that parallel. I mean, it really, it's, it's reflective of the overall evolution of the workplace uh, over the mm -hmm. last several decades where we've gone from a education system and a management structure that was designed off of the early industrial era and more the assembly line to more free working teams and those kind of things are, are you seeing anything that is happening at the earlier life level, the you know, elementary education, junior high, high school, that is helping people to realize that we're not managing cogs, we're not just a cog, but now we are individuals, we are forming teams, and, and we need to develop leaders. Are you seeing much change down that level, or are we still more in the adult education level that has to trickle down to the kids through the families? Yeah, so that's a really, I think, important perspective and, and consideration. I can't say with any level of confidence that I'm seeing something different trickling down into the schools. But because you mentioned that, I will tell you, and, and you have to forgive me, I'm a book reader. I am a classic introvert, not a closet one, but I'm, I'm very out about it. I'm a complete introvert, so I read all the time. And I just finished a book called Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck. And it, it is fabulous because I, I, it's a good book for anybody that wants to understand what happens when we develop a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. And we, we have both. But what happens when we're in fixed mindset lane versus growth? And as parents and as teachers, what happens when we use certain labels or we praise kids in school for getting A's and for being bright? instead of recognizing that child that put in a lot of effort and is better today than they were yesterday. And, and it was astounding to me. I, I really recommend that book to any parent. 
And any teacher who is not embracing that way of thinking, because teachers have such an influence over our kids and our kids are our future leaders. I mean, it all kind of flows together. But regardless, I and that's where I think coaching comes in because sometimes we're unraveling. There's that concept, neuroplasticity, which I'm fascinated with. The belief that we can change our mindset, even if we grew up in a with a very fixed mindset that I'm good at this, I'm not good at that, I'm not very smart, or I'm just, I can't fail. Those are all examples of fixed mindset. Even if I come into corporate America with that thinking, coaches can help unravel that. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. But that's the beauty of coaching. And that's the beauty of some neuroscience and in, in recent findings that we can kind of undo some of the limiting beliefs that have either been instilled in us or we just embraced as kids. You know, it's amazing what can happen when you have an external voice uh, that can reflect back to you. Just speaking personally, I started my leadership journey, as it were, at least the one that I'm on now, about four years ago when I started to have tremendous growth in my law practice and my financial advisory business. And I went from being a team of three to, to where we are now, a team of 12 on the verge of 15, and needing to shift some of that natural charisma slash leadership type to being more of a leader. I've had my own coaches along the way. And one of the things that has been in, uh, impressed upon me, and, and I think you'd agree, is the leader needs to start with leading themselves. That fixed mindset versus growth mindset and the languaging that you use to, to talk to yourself about what's going on and how you're reflecting that, how that just kind of manifests and is amplified through the, your team. Am I on, I'm on a path there that makes sense? Oh, amen. I mean, one of the things you just said, which is so very important, Greg, and it's why I kind of chuckle when some people say, well, I'm, I'm not a leader. I'm a manager. Or I'm not even a manager, but I'm not a leader. I don't lead anybody. And I laugh. It's like, yes, you do. The first person, as you say, the first person you have to lead is yourself. That's why I say leadership, quite frankly, is an important facet and skill for everybody to embrace because even if you don't have two or three direct reports, you are still leading yourself and you can still make a difference from wherever you are in society. My journey, one of the turning points was the uh, series, the uh, Boyatzis and McKee series, Resident Leadership and Becoming a Resident Leader. And that's one of the reasons why I am here today. I'm sure you're familiar with the books and one of the exercises that it prompted me was to, what is your bigger vision? Fill out the, your why and all that. Mm -hmm. And that's what led me to defining my march to a million where I put a marker in the ground that uh, that by the time I hit the age of 65 in 2030 that I was going to try to positively impact a million lives. Mm. And that's what leads me to doing things like this podcast. But if it weren't for coaching and challenging my people, challenging me and my mindset and through those books and people that I knew, that would never be part of where I was headed, let alone what has now become who I am. It's really cool when you have the ability in to reach out to a coach for areas of your life, uh, leadership in particular, and get that other view on it. Because that whole experience of self-vision or just mm, needing yeah. that outside eye coming in to, to say, hey, you really can do something differently here. Uh, I'm sure yeah. you, that you've seen that with people. 
Yeah, yeah. And what I think is fascinating too, and this is what is kind of interesting, you and I are in two very different worlds in terms of what we do. And yet when I think about what you do as a financial advocate for your clients, right? You are in a unique role because you are also managing and you're leading as well when you think about it. When you think about your you're helping to manage that which you have under your guise and influence of whatever you're doing with assets and investments and all of that, at the same time, you are influencing, you are leading them because you're helping to educate them, helping them to understand. You're actually coaching. I mean, you really are. I'm sure you know that, but you really, much of what you do, I love some of the things that I, I read in terms of what you're doing, meeting clients where they are. Well, that's the first thing a coach does. And you ask unbiased questions to try to get them to discover their truth. Like, hey, I haven't put enough money away my entire life. So yeah, I better get on the bandwagon. So I think it's really fascinating because I am not a brain trust when it comes to what you do, but yet I respect and understand a little bit of it because we do a lot of the same things, believe it or not. Yeah, I agree completely. It's that we, the word coach and life coach, as it were, those type of labels are so misunderstood. And the whole idea of coaching and helping people grow, and it's, it is true advocacy when you are looking at them and you're finding out where they are, where they want to go, and whether it's through where they want to become as a leader or where they want to come in their health or where they want to go in their their financial world. It's helping them understand where they are and the steps they need to take to where they want to go. And then as one of the my coach friends likes to say, I'm breaking it down almost to the ridiculous to help yeah. them get there. Yeah, yeah. And there's a big difference too. And I know you see this in your work as well between coaching and what I'll call mentoring slash educating. There are a lot of people that will call themselves coaches. And they're fine people, they're wonderful folks, but the big difference is coaching assumes that you as the individual actually have the answers within. If you're stuck or you're in a state that's not benefiting you, you actually have the answers within. And a good coach through questioning and probing will help bring that into consciousness. And you, again, very similarly, I think do the same thing. Whereas a mentor, is actually going to say to you, well, this is what I do. I, it was funny. I was recently challenged by someone that I know a little bit. And he said, well, how do you approach coaching? Do you tell people what to do? I said, I, I hope not. That's not really what a coach does. And so when I explained that to him, he just kind of laughed. He said, yeah, that's good. He said, because I don't like people telling me what to do. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't I think most of us don't. <laughs> it's human nature, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting when you look throughout society and the changes that are happening. You look from, we're here in Central High, you look to the old school coach, Woody Hayes, right? Mm. To to the new school coach, Ryan Day. And mm -hmm. it is almost that dichotomy you just talked about, you know, that, that Woody was a dictator. He mm -hmm. was telling you what to do. He was a mentor to many, but he was telling you what to do. And because of his force of personality and all of that around him, that people followed. 
and he was successful. Mm-hmm. You go on yeah. to to our, our recent coach, Urban Meyer, and well, he was still very much a, pers- a cult of personality type of guy that my way or the highway. And now you look at Ryan Day, who is more of a coach in the sense that you were just describing. I've never been a fan of, I'll just say, fear-based leadership. I think the only place that that very autocratic style, my way or the highway, comes into play is if you're in a crisis situation, life or death, and then it's all bets are off. You're going to be as autocratic as you need to be. And the other extreme of that is the complete laissez-faire, where can you imagine a coach just, hey, team, go out there, and if you feel like practicing today, that's great. If you don't, that's okay, too. An example of that. And we see that in business. You see people that don't maybe understand what leadership is, so it's hands-off. And I think the right approach, and it depends on individuals, right? I'm a firm believer in be fair to people, but fair doesn't mean equal. People need different levels of our attention as leaders and different levels of intensity. But I think it's, I I still think, even as a football coach, you can still be kind, compassionate, caring, be tough-minded, hold people accountable, but do it in a way where you get people to understand. And I actually think Urban was trying to do a little bit of this when he was here, is get people to understand that you can't usually control what's happening to you whether it's on the football field or it's in work or whatever, but what you do have full control over is how you respond and how you react. And that's, again, that's something that I know he worked on. And I, I think, quite frankly, that's one of the little magic secrets that led to the one of the national championships was because he inspired that kind of mindset with the team. And I think that's important. Again, as leaders, that's our job to get people to realize you're going to have bad days. You're going to have bad things that happen to you. And you can't control that. But what you can control as a leader always is how you're going to respond in that situation. That also gets back to fixed and growth mindset. Fixed mindset people don't like bad things to happen and they don't like to make mistakes and they won't challenge themselves whereas people with a growth mindset are all about bring it on if i make a mistake that's my way forward next time right right we're talking about a particular type of leader in that i can't remember exactly what the phrasings are from resident leadership but they're the different types of styles and we were just talking about the the commanding leadership style Mm. and and how the effective leader the resident leader as it were by their phrasing is able to match different leadership styles to different situations whether they're at work or at home or at play even and that's when you're really starting to get towards the level of mastery when you're able to to identify what style of leadership is needed for the situation. And I'm going to make a, a, a shameless plug for you on that, that I am, I imagine that someone that was working with you as a leadership coach, you're going to help them start to see how there are these different styles and this is the right time to bring in this type of style and, or to just to avoid being and, and that commanding style, what have you. Am I on the right path there? Yeah, yeah, you absolutely are. And and again, that goes back to one of those table stakes skills or facets of leadership that I really believe is important. And it's the connection again, because if you as a leader are connecting with each of your, the folks in your tribe, the folks that are following you, you will understand through probing and asking questions and learning as much as you can about them, what their needs are. And you'll learn when to challenge them and how to challenge them. You'll learn when they need a little more direction, 
when you need to keep you know your hand on the wheel a little bit versus when you can sit in the back seat because they've got it and that doesn't come through unless you've got a crystal ball or you have some hidden talent that most of us don't have that that just comes through getting to know your people and that i think is a huge opportunity i i think leaders could spend more time having those one-on-one -on -one discussions and quite frankly some of it isn't even business related it's just getting to know what makes their heart beat what brings them joy what gets them out of bed in the morning and the more you can establish those connections and you've got people working side by side with you and not afraid to say hey boss i don't really know what i'm doing here i need some help that that's the sign of someone who is trusted as a leader and who's made that connection when someone can come to you and admit i really don't know what i'm doing and I need some help and direction. I want to be mindful of our time here today. You and I, I think we could chat for hours on this and yeah. hopefully we'll continue our conversation <laughs> offline. I always like, uh, as we wrap up these interviews, I, I like to start by asking our resident fly on the wall, Eric, if he has any questions or, or thoughts that our conversation today has provoked uh, that he'd like to bring up before you and I have our final words together today. Well, I appreciate that. And I do have a question, Mary, it's going to be a tough one. You ready? Oh, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> in, in working with coaches and doing some coaching myself, I always like to hear what was your toughest situation that you had to coach somebody through and how did that resolve? Mm. Probably the toughest situation. And, and this has happened a few times when people come in with a very, I'll just say again, fixed mindset, very mm -hmm. defeatist attitude. Mm -hmm. I can't do this. This is impossible. Kind of the why me. And it, that is hard for me because that is not the way I roll. And it, it, it is really about just chipping away one discussion at a time. And it's what is that saying? You know, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And mm -hmm. that's what I try to be mindful of. I'd love to be able to wave a magic wand. And I believe me, I've bought a few wands, but they don't work. I really would love to have that magic wand where I could just say, swoosh, tomorrow you're going to wake up and be more positive and realize that life is good and you've got a lot going on. I think I've probably in the years that I've been coaching professionally, probably have one client where I feel like I didn't serve them in that way. I didn't serve them well. And I do reflect on that. It's like, what could I have done? Mm -hmm. What should I have done differently? But I, I don't beat myself up about it. It's just one I've got to keep reflecting on and think about what would I do differently next time? Yeah, absolutely. I think anybody that that is in your position has got to be able to do that. I mean, I, if, if you, I don't know, I'm a little suspicious if, if I hear a coach or a, a mentor say, oh, I've had 100% success rate. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'd like to talk Who to those people, you? please. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, it's just uh, a little suspicious. So I, I love the fact that you can bring that up and say, this is something that I reflect on because we all need that growth mindset. And that's exactly yeah. what that is. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mary, I'd like to, first of all, thank you for your time today. This has been just a wonderful conversation, and I, I do look forward to us continuing this in private at some point in time. You know, if somebody was listening to our presentation, our chat here today, and wanted to get in touch with you or find out a little bit more about you, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, thank you. Two ways, really. Either LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn, and you can find me there, Mary Rockenstein. Or you can email me, and that might be easier, at mary at, and this is all one word, theleadershipedgellc.com. So either way, 
And I do have to note, in the show notes will be the proper spelling of Mary's last name, so you don't start oh, looking yeah. R-O-C-K, because yeah. you might right. end up somewhere else. You might end up at a nice bar, Rockenstein. But, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. And hey, thank you so much. This has just been wonderful. It's been awesome. So thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. I appreciate having you on. Eric, you want to send us off? Absolutely. Uh, again, Mary, thank you so much for being here. So much insight and wisdom uh, in this podcast from you. And then, of course, Greg, thank you so much for bringing her on. Love to hear your guys' conversation. And our last thank you always goes to you, listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Greg comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at DuPont Wealth Solutions, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Advocate. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of DuPont Wealth Solutions. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. 